Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong. Jackie you back, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey, baby. Things are getting weird. And they're getting weird fast. Armstrong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. And everyone knows it. But the dramatics could come down just a little bit. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. So the rise of Trump has been explained by various folks in various ways, and those explanations have ranged from the unspeakably moronic and and grossly oversimplified to pretty insightful at times. One of my favorites, somebody said that uh, a lot of working America, um, well, a lot of America, period, has gotten nothing but condescension and judgment from the left and false promises from the right about globalization, that sort of thing, for instance. That it would, oh, it's good for everybody. Yeah, my the plant I worked at for 20 years just left. Anyway, uh, David Brooks of the New York Times is, uh, he's a, a, allegedly a conservative. He's kind of a moderate conservative of a New York Northeastern bent. Um, but he's a good writer, though. And his piece this week is getting a lot of attention. The headline is, what if we're the bad guys here? And he writes about how Trump is still dominant in spite of all the uh, indictments and stuff. And I'm going to read you a pretty good chunk of this. It's more reading than generally we do, but it's just so good. And I was looking for stuff to edit out, and there just isn't much. But he writes, we anti-Trumpers often tell a story to explain his viability. 
It was encapsulated in a quote from the University of North Carolina political scientist Mark Hetherington, quote, Republicans see a world changing around them uncomfortably fast, and they want it to slow down, maybe even take a step backward. But if you're a person of color, a woman who values gender equality, or an LGBT person, would you want to go back to 1963? I doubt it. Boy, I hate you, whoever you are. Who said this? Yeah, whenever the Republicans are just have trouble with, uh, you know, a black man was president and that was. Oh, shut up with that. That is speaking of condescension and judgment. That was just dripping with grossly oversimplified uh, condemnation. Yeah, go to hell, Mark Hetherington. Anyway, in this story, we anti-Trumpers are the good guys, the forces of progress and enlightenment. The Trumpers are reactionary bigots and authoritarians. Many Republicans support Trump no matter what, according to this story, because at the end of the day, he's still the bigot in chief, the embodiment of their resentments, and that's what matters to them most. I partly agree with this story, but it's also a monument to elite self-satisfaction. Yeah, I've got a reason why you partly agree with that story, David Brooks, but I'll get to that later. So let me try another story on you. I ask you to try on a vantage point in which we anti-Trumpers are not the eternal good guys. In fact, we're the bad guys. The story begins in the 1960s when high school grads had to go fight in Vietnam, but the children of the educated class got college deferments including Trump, ironically, uh, plus his heel. It continues in the 1970s when the authorities imposed busing on working-class areas in Boston, but not on the upscale communities like Wellesley, where they themselves lived. Huh. Yeah, we'll return to that theme in a bit. The idea that we're all in this together was replaced with the reality that the educated class live lives in a world up here and everybody else is forced to work in a world down there. Members of our class are always publicly speaking out for the marginalized, but somehow we always end up building systems that serve ourselves. The most important of these systems is the modern meritocracy. We built an entire social order that sorts and excludes people on the basis of the quality that we possess most, academic achievement. Highly educated parents go to elite schools, marry each other, work at high-paying professional jobs, and pour enormous resources into our children who get into those same elite schools, marry each other, and pass their exclusive class privileges down from generation to generation. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding so far. My only objection to to that part of his argument is that it's a very northeastern point of view. Those of us who've lived and grown up in the rest of the country, it's not that stratified and not in the same way. There's truth to it. It's just not quite the same as, you know, you live in New York, New England. But anyway, moving on. Uh, Daniel Markovitz yeah, summarized. I think, I think, yeah. I think growing up in the rural Midwest, I saw all that on TV, though. It mm-hmm. wasn't where I lived at all. I mean, we're, everybody was the same practically everywhere I lived. <laughs> like everybody was roughly the same size house with the same kind of car, same, um, mostly everywhere I lived. But we saw all that on TV. So we're completely aware of the existence of that. Mm-hmm. In the, yeah, so you it know, had a cultural the, effect. In the halls of power. So he writes, David Markovitz summarized years of research in his book, The Meritocracy Trap. Today, middle-class children lose out to the rich children at school. The middle-class adults lose out to elite graduates at work. Meritocracy blocks the middle class from opportunity. Then it blames those who lose a competition for income and status that even when everybody plays by the rules, only the rich can win. Again, I think that's overstated, but moving along. Uh, the meritocracy isn't only a system of exclusion, it's an ethos. During his presidency, Barack Obama used the word smart in the context of his policies over 900 times. What's the implication for anyone who disagrees with his policy? And perhaps didn't go to Harvard Law. They must be stupid. (laughs) 
Over the last decades, we've taken over whole professions and locked everybody else out. This is something I knew because I'd read about it, but you might find it extra interesting. Uh, Brooks writes, when I began my journalism career in Chicago in the, in the 80s, there were still some old, crusty, working-class guys running around the newsroom. Now we're not only a college-dominated profession, we're an elite college-dominated profession. Only 0.8% of college graduate uh, college students graduate from the super elite 12 schools. Less than 1%. A 2018 study found that more than 50% of the staff writers at the beloved New York Times and the Wall Street Journal attended one of the 29 most elite universities in the nation. That's incredible. Not It's not really surprising, but that that would occur and, and, and continue and they'd be okay with it and think, yeah, yeah, we, uh, we have the ability to to uh, represent the, the, the country as a whole. What are you talking about? Yeah, how astounding is that imbalance that the the Eastern media elite, who we're always mentioning, are half of them are from the top twenty nine elite universities in the nation. In a and when we all grew up, a lot of us who are a little bit older anyway, we saw journalism in a certain way. That was when it was a working class profession. You were a good writer, you were a good seeker of truth, etc., but you weren't some sort of elite, you know, Columbia University nose-in-the-air Manhattanite. It's ridiculous. Then he goes on uh, another quote from Daniel Markovitz, uh, as he puts it, quote, Elite graduates monopolize the best jobs and at the same time invent new technologies that privilege super-skilled workers, making the best jobs better and all the other jobs worse. Members of our class also segregate themselves into a few booming metro areas, San Francisco, D.C., Austin, so on. In 2020, here's another couple of great statistics. Biden won about 500 counties, but together they're responsible for 71% of the American economy. Trump won over 2,500 counties, 2,500 to 500, responsible for only about 29%. And once we find our clicks, we don't get out much. In the book Social Class in the 21st Century, the sociologist Mike Savage and his co-researchers found that the members of the highly educated class tend to be the most insular, measured by how often they have contact with those who have jobs unlike our own. The, of course, not not shocking in the least. How, time, how, many, how many times have you heard us tell you that the Eastern media elite are the most bubbled of bubble peoples? There, there's proof of it. Or more evidence. Armed with all kinds of economic, cultural, and political power, we support policies that help ourselves. Free trade makes the products we buy cheaper, and our jobs are unlikely to be moved to China. Open immigration makes our service staff cheaper, but now less educated immigrants aren't likely to put downward pressure on our wages. And it's not affecting your schools and emergency rooms. Exactly. And that's why... uh, Exactly. When uh, Brooks said, "I part this story is partly true... That these dumb Republicans, they fear the other or the (laughs) coloring of America. If your school has all of a sudden 200 children who don't speak English and nobody can learn now because the teachers all have to catch them up on English, that's not fearing the other. That's a specific, undeniable, sickening concern about your children's future. That doesn't happen in David Freakin' Brooks' neighborhood. Nope. Or I Nancy shouldn't Pelosi. have dropped a freaking on him because he's being pretty good with this article. Or Nancy Pelosi, right? Good point. 
Like all elites, we use language and mores as a tool to recognize one another and exclude others, using words like problematic, cisgender, Latinx, and intersectional is a sure sign that you've got cultural capital coming out of your ears. Meanwhile, members of the less, ed- less educated classes have to walk on eggshells because they never know when we've changed the usage rules so that something that was sayable five years ago now gets you fired. And then he gets into another topic, which we talked about several weeks ago, the idea of luxury values. He doesn't name them that, but I like the term. He says, we also change the moral norms in ways that suit ourselves, never mind the cost others. For example, there used to be a norm that discouraged people from having children outside of marriage. But that got washed away during our period of cultural dominance as we eroded norms that seemed judgmental or that might inhibit individual freedom. After the social norm was eroded, a funny thing happened. Members of our class still overwhelmingly married and had children within wedlock. People without our resources, unsupported by social norms, were less able to do that. As Adrian Wooldridge points out in his 2021 book, The Aristocracy of Talent, 60% of births to women with only a high school certificate occurred out of wedlock. 60% compared with 10% of women with a university degree. That matters, he continues, because the rate of single parenting is the single most significant predictor of social immobility in the country, meaning the number one predictor, you're going to stay poor. The idea of the elite spouting revolutionary ideas about how to reform society and letting that wash around the poor neighborhoods. Meanwhile, they stay with the uh, Muffy and, 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 uh, you know, whatever in their giant house with their Harvard degree and the rest of it living as they've always lived as society crumbles. There's just a little more. Do we have a minute? Yeah. Uh, buh, 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 buh. Elite universe institutions have become so politically progressive in part because the people in them want to feel good about themselves as they take part in systems that exclude and reject. It's easy to understand why people in less educated classes would conclude that they're under economic, political, cultural, and moral assault and why they've rallied around Trump as their best warrior against the educated class. He understands that it's not the entrepreneurs who seem most threatening to workers. It's the professional class. Trump understood that there was great demand for a leader who would stick his thumb in our eyes on a daily basis and reject the whole regime that we rode in on. If distrust, if distrustful populism is your basic worldview, the Trump indictments seem like just another skirmish in the class war between the professionals and the workers. Another assault by a bunch of coastal lawyers who want to take down the man who most aggressively stands up to them. Of course, the indictments don't cause Trump supporters to abandon him. They cause them to become more fiercely loyal. That's the polling story of the last six months. Yeah, I don't know if I'm as solidly in agreement with all the stuff around the Trump indictment uh, narrative. But all that other part, you know, about him getting elected in the first place and everything since is just so clearly true. And I think we've more or less said it in different words for the past six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so obviously true. It's just amazing that he, you know, is with enough studying and thinking about it is figured out what was obviously true. <laughs> My final note is, uh, you know, one of my greatest hits. To whatever extent we try to understand the world around us, particularly the United States of America, through the eyes of the media elite, we are being wildly misled. Of course. Look around you. That's America. Their version of America doesn't exist except in their tiny little cloisters. Right. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
interesting uh, story out. Speaking of dividing ourselves into progressive Tania and the conservative states of America, um, we'll have a hell of a lot better football team and army, apparently. Uh, there has been a trend in recent years that's just growing and growing. Uh, girls, teenage girls, young women are swerving leftward politically, and boys are going in the opposite direction. And I mentioned in- that my boys have strongly culturally conservative views that I swear to God they did not get from me on topics where I've never discussed them at all. It just kind of got to them through the, os- well, I think it came through the osmosis of this doesn't make sense. <laughs> A lot of the stuff they're I saying. would agree. I would agree. Human beings are not without instincts. Just because we got a big old frontal lobe doesn't mean we're not able to recognize danger, for instance, or, or something that will make us sick, something that doesn't compute. Anyway, uh, there are roughly twice as many boys as uh, who identify as conservative or very conservative as identify as liberal or very liberal right now. The figures represent a striking shift in the political views of boys as recently as late 2000. Liberal boys occasionally outnumbered conservatives. It was often pretty even. Uh, back in the Carter era, both boys and girls leaned liberal. Uh, nowadays, it is girls who are drifting to the left. The share of 12th grade girls who identified as liberal rose from 19% to 30% between 2012 and 2022. Wow. From 19 to 30 only 12% of girls identified as conservative in last year's survey administered by the University of, of Michigan. Young wow, this women is, trending liberal age 18 to 29 as well. This is all feeding numbers that are going that direction. So they're going to be the girls are going to be more likely to go to college, which is heavily dominated by women already because the boys are going to think, I don't want to go hang around that craziness. Um, and that's that's going to widen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Young women are almost twice as likely as young men to claim the liberal tag, a widening gender gap in political beliefs. Uh, The leftward drift of young women alone has sufficed to move the needle on young adults as a whole. Uh, Let's see. Jean Twenge. I can never remember how to say her name. She's a a professor of psychology at San Diego State University. She's brilliant, really insightful and not a nut job academic. to spotlight the growing gender gap, she couched the numbers in a chart that split boys and girls along ideological lines, omitting moderates and the undecided. Among liberals, the future is female, she wrote. Among conservatives, the future is male. And then skipping ahead. Boy, that's uh, somebody not said, good. That's not good for society either. God dang it. There's so many, there's so many arrows pointing bad directions. I know it. This marriage cannot be saved. Uh, as one recent political article put it, Democrats have a masculinity problem. Uh, I believe that, oh, this is uh, Delano Squires, who, a research fellow at the Heritage Foundation. I believe that traditional notions of masculinity are much more accepted within conservatism. And feminist values are clearly one of the driving forces of liberalism. And, it, you know, feminist is such a broad term, it hardly is useful right. these days. But So, uh, not that much coupling going, going on anyway, but if it is, or... The girl's going to get to say what they want, and the boys will keep their mouth shut because they're hoping for a little something-something. Better to keep your mouth shut? Apparently not. Now they'll play video games and, and, and watch porn and let the girls yap back and forth to their woke professors. Wow. The Armstrong and Getty. What in God's name? The 100 on the crazy meter. Well, that bad it kept her. Man, that makes my soul bleed. That's insane. It's a little too much talking talk. Unacceptable! The reality is, is... Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. Uh... 
Okay. This is the Armstrong and Getty Show. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Armstrong and Getty. These are bad guys. That is especially true. So bizarre and so grotesque. Yup. Okay. Cool. Well, that was unnecessarily frank, but how can this show be on one hand sometimes so highbrow, yet be what it is the rest of the time? Come on. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Tinder has a new feature called Matchmaker, which allows your family and friends to weigh in on your matches. <laughs> There's already a name for that. It's called Thanksgiving. <laughs> Why aren't you married? <laughs> I'm just not sure your date wants to hear great news. Mother thinks we're a perfect match. Tinder. Mm. 
I don't know mm-hmm. anything about Tinder. I've never been on it. I just know the reputation of it. But. Yeah, yeah, I die out of my depth. Uh, so uh, perhaps you heard, we mentioned it, that dozens, more than 40 attorneys general have filed suits in federal and state courts seeking changes to Meta slash Facebook, Instagram, etc. I think that's notable because, uh, you know what, I haven't actually run it down, but clearly if you have 40 states, you have Republican and Democrat attorneys general. Um, And in fact, the multi-year investigation was led by General, uh, I'm sorry, Jonathan Scarmetti of Tennessee, who's a Republican, Phil Weiser of Colorado, a Democrat. Yeah, I don't want to get bogged down. I am kind of curious as to why the other 10 states didn't sign on, but maybe maybe later for that. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, Yeah, they get into some of the legalities here, but it's not that uh, terribly interesting. But the the states are uh, alleging that Meta misled the public about the dangers of its platforms for young people. It knew... Uh, a number of the psychological effects that uh, over-engagement had, and also that Meta knowingly marketed its products to users under the age of 13 who are barred from the platform by both Meta's policies and federal unenforceable law. Yeah, see, yeah, that's a that's a big part of it, enforceable or unenforceable. Like, web, you can have websites that say, are you 18? Oh, I don't know. Can I lie? Should I lie? Uh, the states are seeking to force Meta to change product features that they say pose dangers to young users. Um, then, of course, the spokeshole for Meta came back with, you know, many young people find support and community on social media. Oh, blah, wow. Blah, blah, blah. Wow. What's it like uh, dining with the devil over the holidays? Many young people find support and community in social media. Well, okay. Calling the litigation a vital battleground for teen mental health, the two attorneys general we mentioned a second ago highlighted the bipartisan nature of the effort. They pledged that the states would invest heavily in the cases, comparing them to other landmark state actions over products deemed harmful to public health. To your reference, Jack, earlier, we had a conference six months ago working on this. We had over 100 people there. There's tobacco sweet level opioid I'm sorry, not sweet, suit. There's tobacco suit level, opioid suit level commitment. According to the federal suit, Meta has maximized the attention the teen users spend on its platform in ways the company knows often come at the expense of their mental health. I don't remember um, when the whole tobacco thing blew up. 60 Minutes was on it all the time. Um, but it was about proving that tobacco companies knew their product was harmful and they were lying about it. But were uh, were tobacco executives smoking or not? I wonder, were they saying behind the scenes, oh, I would never smoke, or I certainly wouldn't let my kids smoke, in the way that these social media companies are? Remember in the movie The Social Dilemma, one of the things that was in all the trailers was these various people that have worked for Facebook and Twitter and different places saying, oh, no, God, my kids don't have uh, phones and I would never let them on these apps. It's terrible for them. Right. Yeah, absolutely true. That's an interesting question about the tobacco execs. But whatever answer, whatever the answer is to that question, I think you've made a great point. And if you have not seen the documentary, The Social Dilemma, and I'm not sure where it's streaming these days. It was on Netflix when I saw it. Um it is absolutely brilliant and extremely troubling. Um, it's, 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 still brilliant. A, it's still on Netflix, according to my phone. Oh, great, great. Um, it, it does a beautiful, beautiful job of explaining how uh, the social media 
hook you and get you and engage you and the you can be an adult certainly and i watched the thing and thought wow yeah that's that's a great example of how they try to get me uh but kids are especially susceptible to this sort of thing it's like they they know they have algorithms that know you and what you respond to and if you don't respond to what you usually respond to they know what'll get you and if and and if it goes two or three deep and you're still not engaging you're still not spending time on social media they will dig into one of your friends or contacts and and pick out the most harrowing or exciting or commented upon post and they'll hammer you with that jenny says she's breaking up jenny says she's breaking up jenny is going to break up and just they're experts at getting you to engage longer and longer and longer which you know, I'd be tempted to say uh, buyer beware for adults, but again, the point of the suit is about children. Yeah, so the, the last part is unique to social media, but that first part of their experts are getting, about getting you to use your, your product, well, so is Heinz Ketchup and Chevrolet. I mean, Chevrolet, they on purpose used that Bob Seger song because they knew that would appeal to an age group that likes trucks. I mean, I just... And damn it, I've always wanted a truck that was like a rock. I mean, I just, I just don't know where you draw the line on. That's what advertising is. If there's knowing harm, I think that's the key point. Uh, they're knowingly harming children, lying about it because of the specific features of their product. There's, there's, that's the line. God, I'd like to hear from some legal experts on whether they think this could fly. Obviously, some legal experts do think it can fly or this suit wouldn't be going forward. Right. 40-plus attorneys general, as Jack and I always ask. 40-plus? Is it 41? Is it 47? Tell me the number. Or what do you get to you get to 40 and you're too winded to finish counting? How many is it? Or are there a whole bunch of lawyers who would say, yeah, I don't know if this will fly, but I certainly would like to be paid $250 an hour to see if it'll fly for the next two years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had one more point I wanted to make. <sighs> I mean, this would be huge, obviously, if Facebook ended up, you know, Whatever. You got fined 50 gazillion dollars and aren't allowed to do whatever. Uh, that would be huge for the Internet. I mean, all kinds of different companies would have to change the way they do business now and in the future. I'm not Just sure keep- for the better, though. That's what I'm worried about. Right. And and you do bring up some really, really interesting questions. At what point does compelling become addictive? Um, I mean, our compelling content, for instance... People just can't live their lives because they're so fascinated by what we'll say next. Here's a good example. Can they sue us? But again, children in harm. Here's a good example because I've been talking about this a lot for the last couple of weeks because I'm raising one teenage boy, another one about to be a teenage boy. I've read about uh, online pornography and the dangers it's doing to young people and everything like that. That's clearly a product that for profit they know is addictive. They make as addictive as possible. They know young people are using it. How, How is that different? Love that thought. That is, that's good. Now, you have the problem that Meta is an enormous company. So is Pornhub. Not well, as big yeah, as but, Meta, but it's pretty big. No, if you hadn't jumped in, you'd have, I could have laid my wisdom on you. Uh, Meta is an enormous company with zillions of employees. It's got publicly traded. It's It's got a board of directors. It's heavily regulated. They're People churning out porn out of every basement and right. you know Russia and America and everywhere else. Yeah, it's it's there's nobody to hold accountable, mm. which is 
too bad. Just remember, folks, remember, children are not able to decide for themselves how to spend their time, whether to smoke, whether to get a tattoo. They can't rent a car. They can't serve in the armed forces, but they can decide that they need a sex change. Just remember that. Well, if kids know, they know. As we get further off track, um, I've had the experience recently of driving for ibuprofen to the school because the school can't give a kid ibuprofen for legal reasons. They can't even let the kid bring their own. Which is insane. But they can get you an abortion. Seriously. But lots of other stuff can happen that you don't know about. (laughs) Tylenol? No. Sex change? Yes. Abortion? Yes. It's nobody's fault. I realize lawyers have ruined the world and it's not their fault, but my son with his separated shoulder going to the nurse and being in lots of pain and I gotta wait till I can get home and drive over some ibuprofen. That's just yeah, crazy. That's the lawyers. The sex stuff is not the lawyers. No, no, no. That's that's activist lunatics. More on that to come. Hey, you wanna hear a quick yin and yang about calling in sick to work? Sure. I had, I had a conversation with a number of uh, bosses yesterday who heard us talking about that and saying, oh, yeah, all the younger people we hire, they use all of the sick days all the time. It's just a culture change. Yeah, we were talking about this Wall Street Journal piece that essentially you know, said what Jack just said um, and that the, the culture has changed and policies have changed, etc. And a number of and older we were- people saying, I've never taken one sick day when I wasn't sick in my life and I never will. So that's right. quite a divide <laughs> of attitude. You couldn't get further apart. Yeah, the, which goes back to the relationship between employer and employee. That's evolved through the years. Now it's much more transactional and much less human. Then you got the question of, I'm not going to lie. I don't lie to people I respect. Um, and and then you've got... Uh, well, you got a lot of different factors working. Anyway, so we got this uh, note from me. I was amused that, uh, that your negative reactions to people using sick leave as uh, sick of work leave. Sick uh, of yeah, work that's, leave. <laughs> that's, that's the other cultural thing that I meant to throw in, is that um, the idea that I just can't take it today. I mean, growing up in the culture we grew up in, which is not terribly long ago, the idea that I'm too work to, I'm, I'm too weak. I'm too weak to do my desk job. I can't take it. Yeah, it's, I don't be know, like, what are you, serious? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, like I always say to my kids, they don't want to do something. I say, do you think I want to? You just saw me doing laundry. You think I wanted to do that? I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, right. or, or I say, you know who else doesn't want to go to school? Ha, ha, 200 million kids around the world. Join the club. <laughs> so anyway, uh, me was amused. Uh, this has been happening as long as I've been working, although it's more common. Uh, I caught on a while ago. No one gives an S whether you use up your sick leave or not. As successful, well, he gets into a tangent there. Uh, then he says, nobody cares. Then got this from Al Anonymous. Uh, your comments about people who use sick days, et cetera, like you were talking about, made me furious. Uh, he, he's a, he works for a big company you've heard of, managing a team. Uh, yes, we give them the time, and yes, they're free to use it if they're ill, but there's a point where the attendance of one employee has significant, uh, not the non-attendance, he means, has significant negative consequence on the rest of the team, of regardless of how long they've worked for us. Of course. My company is incredibly generous with how much time they grant for sick pay. Here's the problem. My company bends over backwards to make sure we're people-focused and making sure the employees' mental and physical well-being are considered. This results in outrageous attendance issues from a select few. 
Some examples. We have a fairly large team retail. We have at least five individuals with more than 50, 30 call-outs this year, some of them part-time. And a lot of it's car trouble and that sort of thing, a classic. My boss tells me I need to show care for my employees, be empathetic to their needs, and be people-first leaders. My argument is if we bend over backwards for one team member because we screw the other 99% of the team that picks up their slack. At some point, caring for the needs of the many is being people-first. Boy, that's that's a good point. God, and it, 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 I've I've never even come close to using all my sick days. I, I, I might have the one I had cancer, but outside of that year, never in my life have I even come close to using my sick days. But those were around when I did get cancer, so it was nice to know. Oh my God, what am I going to do now? I've got this horrible disease where I can't come to work all the time. I feel like you're poking God in the eye. I feel like it's like people who have fake handicap placards so they can park in a handicap spot. I, f- I feel the same way about that as I do with taking sick days. You're like poking God in the eye. Thank God you're not too sick to go to work. Right. Yeah, I've called for people who do that with the handicap placard to have both their legs broken. So now you're handicapped. Uh, and then finally, Al mentions the incredible paperwork in Cal Unicornia to document the problem. This numbskull who calls in 30 times a year uh, to document the problem. Give the team member a chance to fix it. Makes me question who's the idiot, the person who took 30 extra days off or the person who showed up and worked. That's the nature of socialism, my friend, and, and well pointed out. Yeah, you've got to document the fact that you call in every week and fake an illness and you're never there. I'll document it. You're fired. But you can't do that in Caliena Cardia. I won't do my whole screed again, but just to show that I'm not only on the side of the employers, I do think some of the attitudes of employees is from the way companies now treat people. Back to lawyers ruining the world. When you see people who've worked next to you for years get fired and then treated like a criminal and marched out of the building with a cardboard box and they're not even allowed to say goodbye to the people they've worked with, right. it makes you a little bitter and not like I'm- super loyal. Yeah, no kidding. Amen. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. 
You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Quick question for you. What if you happen to miss this unbelievable radio program? The answer is easy, friends. Just download our podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. It's the podcast version of the broadcast show, available anytime, any day, every single podcast platform known to man. Download it now, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. across this yesterday the worst tourist destinations in the world it's voted on by travelers uh you know who, who go to these sorts of things i don't travel the world that much myself but uh, several in america made the list and the number one is definitely the worst tourist attraction in the world at least that i've ever been to but um uh and one caveat to this you'll notice a couple of them in the top four it's because how far it is from the airport i don't want to travel with you so you're a you want to get to the destination take your picture there and then be able to post it on instagram but you're not actually interested in learning about the country i guess coming up how instagram has ruined everything stay with us (laughs) yeah because number three is the taj mahal in india which uh, seems like a pretty cool place to be it was built in the 1600s i didn't realize that uh iconic one of the most admired pieces of architecture and recognizable in the world but not worth the trip according to people because it's a whopping 136 miles to the closest airport making it the furthest major tourist destination from an airport i would find the drive car ride taxi train trip from the airport to the taj mahal in India, the most interesting thing maybe I've ever done in my life. But those of you who just want to be at the thing so you can take a picture and post it, well, whatever. So, oh, humanity oh, same with is the shallow. Grand ba- Ugh. Same with the Grand Bazaar in Turkey, number two. This is a giant open shopping mall that has been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. It might be the world's oldest shopping mall, but it's too far from the airport, they say. So they got a very low rating. 4,000 shops. Wow. It looks amazing. So again, I would love to experience that and see everything around there and the trip between the airport and there. I would find fascinating. But I guess if you just want to be able to say you're there, which is like the conversation I was having last week about why they want to move the Mona Lisa out of the Louvre because the lines are so long for people who can say, I've seen the Mona Lisa. See this picture of me with the Mona Lisa in the background? Anyway, number one is absolutely true. The Hollywood Walk of Fame in California. Oh, 
Yes. It, I feel personally, it hurts my heart for anybody who traveled from a, somewhere on the other side of the world, especially if you brought your kids. Yeah, to, uh, traveled from Pasadena, it's a disappointment. <laughs> The Hollywood Walk of Fame is the biggest nothing burger of all nothing burgers. I know. I, know. I wonder how many people actually travel there and have heard of it and everything like that and get there and think, this can't be it. <laughs> this is oh shabby and nobody cares except that guy dressed as Captain America who wants 20 bucks for a picture. Uh, right. And as I pointed out a couple of weeks ago when I just happened to be on that street because we were going somewhere else with my kids, like... Most of the artists on there, nobody under the age of 50 has ever heard of. And, like, I've heard of them but haven't seen their work. Even at my age, most of the things you're stepping on. Wait, and it was a glorified, you pay us $1,000, we'll give you a little star in the sidewalk thing. So, hilarious. It fails I mean, on every level. Yeah, worst tourist attraction in the world. Armstrong and Getty. This is the day that we say you're about to open a pit of hell. The Bobcats take a walk. Huh? A Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, guys. Obviously, this does not appear to be a nominal situation. Well, Lottie freaking God. Okay. Come on. That was quite entertaining. That was really cool. It, it, it makes no sense. This country is going to be in big trouble. I'm going to call my lawyer. Gun. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 